0: Good morning. Welcome to this recording from our temporary studio. This is brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. If you are not familiar with us, we hope this venue will interest you in what we do. We invite you to use the contact methods provided on Facebook, on our Facebook page, or our website lhmacallen.org. You'll see a link there on the website where you can contact us, or on Facebook you can send us a message. We want to use these efforts not only to nourish our members, but also to make new friends and extend a standing invitation for you to get in touch with us. We have three Sundays left in April today, the 19th, and the 26th. We are not certain what our status will be in regard to assembling back in one place, but I want to use these three Sundays to deliver a short three-lesson series, and I'm going to call this Three Preachers, Three Sermons, Solomon, Paul, and Jesus. Solomon preaches about life on earth. I'll get to that this morning. Next week, we will let Paul preach through an exposition of one of his sermons in the book of Acts, and then April 26th, Jesus' sermon on life as a kingdom citizen. These three preachers did not have the electronic capacity to preach through this kind of venue, but through their written sermons. They can be heard. I want us to listen to them. So today, have your Bible ready in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and I'll begin with the background. Solomon, through this Old Testament book, is preaching. He has a theme, and that theme is developed through a variety of subtopics, which are sometimes personal narratives, like this one in chapter 2. Now, the theme of the overall discourse in the book of Ecclesiastes is this. If life here on earth is all you have, God being ruled out, the reality is vanity and a chasing after the wind. Solomon is preaching. His sermon is to any who will listen or read or learn, and the message is, if life here on earth is all you have without God, That existence is vanity of vanities. Solomon, through his own misbehavior, learned that self-indulgence is striving after when. There is nothing to be gained by it except the transitory satisfaction of appetite that becomes dissatisfaction. We're going to let him tell his story in Ecclesiastes 2, 1-11. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold in the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This morning, we're going to let Solomon preach to us. So this happens over and over that people come to a place in life where they perceive that now every possible pleasure the world offers must be tried, everything within reach. So there is this reckless journey into self-indulgence where no lasting satisfaction is found, just time and money wasted, relationships broken, and perhaps lessons learned. This sometimes happens when children leave home like the prodigal son. Now, without the restraint of parental authority, reckless living is pursued. A young man or woman gets off, Away from home to college, or they leave for a job. A teenager leaves home for the military, and the ambition quickly finds expression. Now I can see what it's like to get drunk, or lose my virginity, or spend my own money for anything I want to satisfy me. This impulse could come in midlife, or at any time. So, There is this reckless journey into self-indulgence that's very common, where no lasting satisfaction is found, just time and money wasted, relationships broken, and perhaps lessons learned. Solomon is telling his readers, that's exactly what I did, and I don't recommend it. I tried everything a man could indulge in. I surrounded myself with what the world offers, Solomon says. It was all within my reach. I could have it like the song, The Wanderer. With the lead vocal by Johnny Cash, I went out there in search of experience to taste and to touch and to feel as much as a man can before he repents. What was Solomon's conclusion? Behold, all was vanity. Now, Let's look back into his report of this experiment and observe some strong clues. First, right off the page, perhaps at first glance, we see something that speaks very clearly. The pronouns tell much of the story in Ecclesiastes 2. I, my, myself, repeated over and over. I have the English Standard Version, and in 11 verses, Eighteen times there is the personal pronoun I. Every sentence we've read in Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11 has I or me or myself in it. The lesson, these trips that people take into self-indulgence are intensely self-centered. They're not for others. They're not to glorify God. They're not to make you a better person. It is the pursuit of unmitigated indulgence and pleasure, and is vanity, narcissism, ego, destructive self-indulgence. If you take off on this pathway, don't deceive yourself into thinking that it's for anyone but you. Parents, if you're drinking, you are not drinking for your kid's sake. Husbands, If you're sleeping around, you're not doing that for the benefit of your family. Drug dealers, you are not involved in illegal business for the good of your clients. Liars are not practicing dishonesty for anyone's benefit. Sexually immoral people are doing that for themselves. If you take off on this pathway, don't deceive yourself into thinking that it is for anyone but you. Second, Let us understand, Solomon is not writing as a detached commentator or a journalistic witness. He did this. He set out to do it with purpose. He applied himself to the experiment. He used people. He did this, and he concluded there was nothing to be gained. Solomon is saying, here's what I did. It didn't work out well. Don't do this. Don't do what I did. Third, there was nothing in this hedonistic lifestyle that honored God. I think people who live this way have to admit that, and many will. Ask the person who is drunk, Did you honor God in that episode? They will almost always, with shame, admit they didn't honor God through that behavior. The man who brags of all the women he's been with, will generally not claim that those relationships honored the Creator in any sort of way. There's nothing in this hedonistic lifestyle that glorifies God, that honors the Maker, that is any expression of being a disciple of Christ. Fourth, this clarification is needed. Not everything Solomon did is inherently sinful. There's nothing inherently wrong with laughter, planting a garden, or enjoying good music. But when these activities are combined with ungodly pursuits and become the purpose of your existence to indulge your appetites leaving God out, you set yourself up for vanity, a striving after the wind. So, with all that said, I want you to listen again to Ecclesiastes 2, 1-11. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, It is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold in the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great. And surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after when, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. What a preacher Solomon was when he wrote this. Now, the preachers who are listening don't prepare for this sermon the way Solomon prepared. God let Solomon use his own foolish journey to become teaching material. We can use this narrative, but preachers don't live this I've often said, you don't have to live in sin to preach against it. Experience in sin doesn't improve your power to preach against sin. Authority to speak against sin lies in God's word, not our foolish journeys. Solomon was guilty of sin, and then the Holy Spirit used that experience to make this compelling statement to warn us and inform us and shake us from any idea that self-indulgence is the pathway to good purpose. There's more to be said about all this. Bear with me. The argument may be made about this famous Old Testament passage that these projects and pursuits were so large that only a few people could ever attempt this today on this scale and there's some truth there. Solomon had resources none of us had. He had wealth and access to people and nations and servants we do not have and will likely never have. This was like building a second Garden of Eden. Derek Kidner says, he creates a little world within a world, multiform, harmonious, exquisite, a secular Garden of Eden full of civilized and agreeably uncivilized delights with no forbidden fruits. Notice that almost everything here occurs in the plural. Houses, vineyards, gardens, parks, trees, pools, songs, women and servants, silver and gold. And we may read this, and there may be some temptation to say to ourselves, Ah, uh, this isn't about me. Not in any way. I could never build this kind of hedonistic world. Understood. But we may try. On a smaller scale, we may seek purpose in indulgence to our ruin. We don't have Solomon's resources. But if we are not well-disciplined spiritually, we may discover we have Solomon's carnal appetite. And I have to add this. We actually have some things Solomon didn't have. We live in modern homes with climate control. We listen to a much greater variety of music. We have methods of transportation and communication unknown in Solomon's time. As far as sex is concerned, the internet offers an endless supply of virtual partners. So like Solomon, we have ample opportunity to indulge ourselves and try to find our purpose in that self-indulgence. But we are able to read this in the Bible and know that it will not work. Leave God out, and there is this dramatic result of emptiness, vanity, a striving after wind. Solomon didn't have Facebook, but God used him to write a book that speaks to us today. Solomon says, I tried it. Don't do what I did. It doesn't work. Notice also the lust of the eyes was the doorway. Look at verse 10. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. This shows something that will absolutely kill you, an absence of restraint. Sometimes the word is used, abandon, meaning no limits, no boundaries, no hesitation, If you see it, take it. If you hear about it, do it. If somebody says, come along, you go, and whatever is offered, you take and ask for more. That's just a miserable way to live, and it will kill you, certainly spiritually and perhaps literally. The shadowy, elusive promises of this world, if indulged with utter abandon, Not only do not satisfy, but could kill us. There is a lethal trap the devil has set for us, suggesting that we can have everything. We can taste of everything. We can play every game and win. We can eat, drink, and be merry, and see ultimate results with no negatives. It just isn't true. You come to verse 11 in Ecclesiastes 2. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I want you to underline or highlight that word, nothing. I want you to underline or highlight that word, nothing. Solomon thought he had everything, but he had in reality nothing because God wasn't served or honored. The fool's journey doesn't deliver what is expected at the outset. May I say again, the fool's journey, navigating through earthly pleasure without God, the fool's journey doesn't deliver what is expected at the outset. The strong implication is Solomon's sermon has one point. Don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. It doesn't work. It only leads to grief and disappointment. Are we trying to get what we need from under the sun instead of from the maker of the sun? If you ever wish you had everything, servants, musicians, food of every kind, comedians, houses, millions of dollars, fame, and anything else you wanted, remember this passage and dismiss that wish. Solomon says, it amounts to nothing. Don't do what I did. It doesn't work. Everything Solomon pursued, Jesus was tempted by, but he resisted, according to Matthew 4, Hebrews 4:15, 4, and according to 1 Peter 4, verse 1, we can arm ourselves with the same mind of Christ-resisting temptation. Thomas Kempis said, Let temporal things be used, but things eternal desired you cannot be satisfied with any temporal good because you were not created to enjoy these alone. Although you should possess all created good, yet you could not be happy therewith nor blessed, but in God who created all things, there consists your whole blessedness. And all this in the book of Ecclesiastes takes you to this conclusion. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Thank you for listening.